Well, well, this is this is special. I've got uh, Chris Hall and uh, Richard Foster here to answer questions that people sent in. So, Chris and uh, Dad, welcome. Thank you. I'm I'm taking all the softball questions, marshmallow <laughs> questions. Chris can answer any of the others. Oh, good. We're in a, we're in a lot of trouble, Nate. <laughs> all right, we got so many questions, you guys. Um, I mean, there's like seven pages of questions here. Wow. So, and, and knowing you two, um, you know, answering a question in less than 30 minutes will be a challenge. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get through about three. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let's, <laughs> we just might. Um, no. Okay. We'll, we'll start kind of, kind of, kind of simple here. Um, very nice. <laughs> a good question came from Matthew and he says, uh, for both of you, uh, having a, conversation with a friend over coffee, um, what what types of topics make you shout hallelujah and bring a smile to God's face while watching you? <laughs> so when, so when, when I'm talking to somebody else or when I'm talking to God? Uh, somebody else. So you're, you oh, know, else. hanging out with a friend, what, what types of topics really, you know, bring a smile, I feel like brings a smile to God's face or just kind of a joy oh. for you? Oh, that's a good question. It is. I probably right now am in a season of my life where the wonder of the Trinity, I know it's, it's just kind of deep water to jump into, yeah. but it's the, it's, the, it's the Trinity huh. and the wonder and beauty of the Trinity huh. that when I'm talking with friends and we start talking about God, for example, uh-huh. if we're talking about just stuff, it would be, my hope that the Los Angeles Dodgers beat the Cubs. <laughs> but if, if, if we're talking about God or things related to God, I think that the wonder and beauty of the Trinity and the implications mm-hmm. of uh, the Trinity for our spiritual formation is surely what brings a smile to my face. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully the Lord would be pleased with whatever <laughs> I might be thinking at that point. But I actually feel like in uh, what I'm supposed to do maybe for the next five years or so is just uh, devote my attention and prayer and pondering and sharing, uh, helping people along with, with me in my own journey just to move into the wonder of who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. And Chris, you've, I've heard a couple talks that, that you've put together on that topic. And I do, I mean, your passion and love for the just comes through. And um, Mm. actually I want to run, you know, the one that you gave there in Philadelphia at the event. uh, I want to actually run that as a podcast because it just, man, there's good material in there. Um, Uh Very, very helpful. So anyway, so that's what I'm thinking about right now. And well, to move, to move from, you know, the profound to the trivial. (laughs) However, there's something wonderful about the beauty of leaves this fall. <laughs> yeah. I think God's pleased with with that and watching watching the leaves. <laughs> yes. Do you want some, to- of, some of them are taking their final leap, you know? <laughs> to yes. the ground. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, you- in fact, Nate, you know the the prayer uh the prayer list we have for Renabari? Uh-huh. I was reading, uh, this relates to what Richard just said, I was reading uh, what Emily wrote, Emily Griffin, Mm -hmm. and she talked 
about being, you know, moving into, I think, maybe becoming 83. So if she's kind of in the fall of her life, maybe maybe wintertime a little bit. And she had this phrase that really struck out to me. Um, the ordinary beauties of every day. Mm. The ordinary, really, even ordinary. like the, the ordinary beauties of every day. Yes. And uh, like we even like with the ordinary saints conference, just the joy of being able to be ordinary, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. how it's the ordinary things that really, I think, fulfill fulfill our, our deepest longings. I, uh, I want I want the listeners to know that I'm I'm really ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why you're asking us these questions. We're just ordinary. <laughs> well, okay, let me, Dad. You mentioned leaves, so I mean, I mean, having a conversation with a friend about leaves. Yeah, that that work that fits that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what else? But Dad? you got to move from conversation just to watching. Watch watch the leaf together. Yes, yes. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> I usually do that only by myself, but. Yeah. I had the coolest experience last fall where it was one of those days here in, in Michigan where the leaves were falling and like, yeah. you know, all day long they're falling. And I laid in the forest on my back and just sat mm-hmm. there and watched hundreds of them fall. Wow. Um, I did this for like two hours. It was just stunning as they fell <laughs> all over top of me. But <laughs> good. Uh, okay. and, I th- and I think actually, I think that the Trinity yeah, yeah. The lights and the same things that we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Um, all right, next question then. Um, so right. Laurel says, or asks, what has God taught you that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your career? Oh. That God is pleased with stillness. Mm. And see, early in my career, I mean, I, I wasn't a type A, I was a triple A. <laughs> you know, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted, wow. I wanted to convert the world at least wow. by tomorrow. You can't and, see uh, it, can you, Chris? I mean, both of us are surprised <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're so yeah. far from that now, dangerously far. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be like that, uh, the bunny the, for the battery company. That yeah, right. Around, the the yeah. Bunny. <laughs> so you wish what? That you had? Well, that I'd learned a little more about stillness then. Mm. But it may be that it takes, you know, some living mm-hmm. to begin to value all of those things. Mm-hmm. What yeah. would, if you could go back to your younger self, what would you say to him? Shut up. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, um, I don't know. The idea of a career is kind of a funny word. Uh, I don't think of my life so much as a career is, is a, a life. But when I go back to the beginning, I guess what I, I guess what I wish I had a deeper awareness of at the beginning was of the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. That's that was a struggle for me for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, because I would look at uh, the world and I would look at some of my own life experiences and uh, and I wondered, you know, what's God like and is God really good? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, my 
life hasn't got necessarily any easier. In fact, probably more difficult things now than back at the beginning of my relationship mm. with God and, you know, in God's kingdom. But I'm utterly convinced of the goodness of God mm. now. So circumstances haven't really changed, mm. maybe even got a little bit more difficult. Mm. But somehow something's gone deep in me mm. that wasn't there at the beginning. Mm. Good for you. Mm. Yeah. You know, isn't it isn't it wonderful that that there is growth that's possible? Yeah. Into the goodness of God, into the stillness of God. Mm-hmm. And you know, the career you talked about career, the career uh, our friend Alice would call it a careen. A careen. <laughs> careen. What's a careen? You don't have a career, you have a careen. Yeah. I, I don't know. What is a careen? Is this a word I should know? Bouncing around back and forth. You didn't plan it out. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, speaking of Dallas, a couple of weeks ago I ran a podcast, just a talk that Dallas gave about um, prayer of faith. And towards the end, he just so simply says, you know, wh- what is God's will and what what should I pray for? And he just said, "Good things. God, yeah. God is good, mm-hmm. and He wants good things. And yeah, um, pray for good things. Yeah, and that of course that teaching comes out of such a deep understanding, as Chris was saying, of the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And 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 therefore, it's easy mm-hmm. to pray to want good things mm-hmm. because that's what God wants. Yeah, good things. Yeah. Come yeah. Well, it's in, in, in a way, it's like I'm, it, though the circumstances haven't necessarily changed, I'm able to see things that I wasn't able to see when I was younger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Things for which I'm really thankful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's, yeah. And, well, this next question actually kind of ties into that. Uh, Good. So, so Leif asks, um, how, how do you keep a sense of wonder alive in your relationship with God, especially in times when the mundane tasks of life and daily grind are taking a toll on you? Wow. Good question, eh? First thing, it might be um, being able, it's kind of a spirit. I guess it is a spiritual discipline when the mundane things are uh, kind of grinding on us. Mm-hmm. This is where that kind of seeing that we've been talking about might, mm. might come in where we can perhaps shift our focus and ask the question, is there in the very mundane things that right now are mm-hmm. disheartening me, things that I can spot that might bring me joy? So that mm. might be yeah. one thing. And the other thing is, uh, mm. before we, we kick in on the mundane things, uh, what I do is just, uh, I'll just go out and in our house in Pennsylvania and sit down about six in the morning and literally <laughs> just sit in this chair I like mm-hmm. and kind of watch the sun come up and mm-hmm. this crazy dog we have come in longing for a walk and look at him a little bit. <laughs> and um, I do think, I think it's more in the ordinary, if we can look at the mundane and ordinary in a different way mm-hmm. and ask, Lord, help me to spot what you're offering here hmm. a shift of focus can sometimes make all the difference that's wonderful you've you've said it so well chris i have nothing to add <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough well we, we have a question this is from a lady in the czech republic linka i think i'm wow. saying that right linka 
Um, and, and just the kind of the short of it is, is, and you both are going to dislike this question, I assume, but, uh, how, <laughs> <laughs> but I won't let that keep me from asking it. Uh, right. How can I get to know God the way you know him? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it's a response from, you know, reading some of the books and, and being able to envision that there's a deeper life with God. That, that I didn't, you know, moving beyond the shallow superficiality of, of uh, the, theoretical the, faith. Say, say the person's name again. L-E-N-K-A. Is that Linka? Okay, Linka. Linka. Well, Linka, you want to get to know God the way that you yeah, that's can right. know God, not mm-hmm. the way I can know God. Yeah, that's right. And so it's so important because... Um, spiritual formation always has a local address. Mm. Yeah, and there, there is a person. And Linka, you're a beautiful person. God loves that and wants to be your friend mm-hmm. <laughs> in the way that you are. Yeah. Not in the way I am or anybody else. And so, um, uh, here's the thing. God is so eager to be our friend Mm. and to come alongside of us and to teach us how to live and to Mm. teach us how to love and to teach us how to be kind to our neighbor or whatever it is, how to live in a family, how to relate to whatever it is, political situations and, and cultural situations. I'm just, trying to imagine, Link, of what you must be going through in your home, in your situation. Uh, God is with you there. God is mm. with you. Yeah. And yeah. become his friend. Become yeah. God's friend. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The only thing I might add to that is just one word about um, comparing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can compare what we're experiencing and look at somebody else who might have written a book or an article, or we've seen them speak somewhere, and the appearance seems to be, uh, oh, my life is not like that. There's something yeah. wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, nah. <laughs> no. Uh, comparison kind of is the root of, of uh, uh, yeah. kind of a, a seed that we can plant and, and end up looking at someone else and imagining them to be somebody that they're not, mm. and then looking at our lives and sometimes not seeing how healthy we really are yeah. through mm-hmm. imagining a difference that's really not present. And mm-hmm. and to know, to know, um, I mean, I can I can read something I've written years ago and go, oh gosh, <laughs> wish I could be like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's really good. good. I should take a note. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> well, it doesn't. Don't you guys think that God meets us where we are with our giftings, our challenges, and and you know, for some people, are highly intellectual and they can you know encounter God in that. Mm-hmm. Others are highly creative and they can encounter God in that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We don't need sure. to, to be just like everyone else. Of course, we want to stretch ourselves and right, right. Yeah, Linka, Linka, you're God's image bearer. And he's created you just like you are mm-hmm. with your own set of uh, strengths and weaknesses and gifts and so on. So I think the call is to 
to uh, just slowing down, like we've been saying, slowing down and asking for a little help to move into what God has for you. What God has for you is not what God has for me, and thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Isn't, it, isn't it interesting? God loves uniqueness. Mm. Every single person so magnificently unique. And how much God delights in that and and wants to be our friend in in our own unique ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's a, a another question then. How can we connect spiritual formation with the harmful effects of extreme capitalism today and bring justice to the poor? Oh wow. <laughs> this this is this is one of uh, it's this is not a softball question. Question. So, Chris has to. <laughs> okay. So, um, it, the hardest spiritual formation is learning to love, mm. learning to love God, and learning to love our neighbor. That's the heart and core of Jesus's teaching. He said that himself. Right. So that's the first thing. So. Spiritual formation is about learning to love. Now, the question talked about extreme capitalism. All right, what's extreme capitalism? It's basically making the individual uh, the center of one's world and gaining through, uh, it could be through any number of means, as much stuff as we can. Hmm. Thinking that by having more and more stuff, we'll be happier and happier. Mm-hmm. And then in extreme capitalism, uh, I've even heard extreme capitalists. I'm not. I'm not advocating a different political system, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I've heard extreme capitalists applaud, for example, selfishness. Right. Mm-hmm. So it becomes so, a virtue. So, <laughs> yeah, selfishness becomes a virtue, and when we place the self at the center of of who we are, like that. Uh, everything's going to implode if Jesus' teaching is true. Mm. Life isn't isn't created to be like that. And so with that kind of extreme capitalism, mm. uh, with the self at the center, a bent self at the center, then we're not going to see the poor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're not going to see the poor. Right. So there's a, I think that Jesus' teaching involves a, a radical reorientation about how we think about money, and how we think about ourselves, and how we think about our neighbor. Right. And so regarding the poor, uh, a concrete uh, suggestion I would be uh, would have would be, um, it's kind of the discipline. It, say, for example, if, if you've been uh, blessed in some way, maybe you live in a nice neighborhood, maybe there's enough money in your bank account, maybe we're not seeing the poor as often as we should, to practice, practice a discipline of simply taking your body to a place where there are poor people who are struggling to eat, get enough to eat, or uh, healthy food, or, or whatever. And what, what that does, it, it reorients our perspective. And, and, and as you do that, shake their hand. <laughs> and yes. ask their name. Yes. And get to know them. Now, there, there is extreme capitalism that is destructive. There's extreme socialism that is destructive. Hmm. What Chris has said that's so right is we look for love of God and love of neighbor. And in whatever political or environmental situation we find ourselves, 
there are things in that system that is consistent or consonant with the gospel, mm-hmm. things that are disconsonant, and we learn the difference, mm-hmm. and we learn what will promote love of neighbor, love of God, in that context. Mm-hmm. So, and and again, I just want to say, like we were mentioning on this other question, we're all infinitely unique. So. Let's get to know the uniqueness of another human human being, and that will bring, uh, I mean, it's not everything, but it's a first step to bringing justice and right relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I I like about this question is, is just bringing home the point that spiritual formation is not just me and God watching leaves fall or, you know. (laughs) <laughs> navel no, gazing oh, oh yes <laughs> but, <laughs> no you're right absolutely right and, and and Chris's you know statement about just taking our bodies and putting them into certain relationships mm-hmm. because because the, the spiritual formation these are not pious exercises for the devout mm-hmm. they're a trumpet call Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to a radical way of reordering our lives Mm -hmm. so that we can serve other people out of love and care and joy for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And it naturally leads us to engagement in the world. And like Chris said, love of of neighbor. And and even if that means just putting my body next to theirs and... Mm -hmm. Now, there are, of course, many other things that need to be done. Uh, essays need to be written and all of those things. But mm-hmm. it starts by mm-hmm. just that simple love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and goes all the way to, you know, organizations being formed right. and relief efforts around the world and peace efforts. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Well, the ne- this leads right into a, a next question that, who in the world do we vote for for U.S. president? <laughs> Richard and I, <laughs> Richard and I were just talking about this this morning. Uh, that's the, I, I think that's one we have to leave uh, with each individual. Um, I'm puzzled myself. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know uh, how to put this. Uh, I think both candidates um, have, uh, I, so I want to say it was a great gentleness because I, I don't want to judge a, another image bearer, but both candidates uh, have, have uh, significant flaws mm-hmm. and um, have advocated positions, both candidates, that I, I are, are dramatically outside the boundaries of what Jesus teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking specifically of uh, some of what uh, the Republican candidate has said about the alien and the immigrant, mm-hmm. uh, the poor, re- re- host of issues probably regarding how we behave uh, sexually and so on. And then I heard the Democratic candidate advocating uh, in the last debate uh, aborting a baby 
up to the very moment of birth. Mm-hmm. Both both those positions, or those any number of positions, I would argue probably are radically outside the teaching of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, do we, and each one of us has to ask this before the Lord, um, do I vote for either of these candidates and Mm-hmm. Who, should, who then should I vote for? Mm-hmm. In a manner of speaking, the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of that kind of language. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have not read the article, but I believe that Stephen Carter up at Harvard, who wrote a book on integrity that some of our listeners might have read, if I'm correct about the article, he said sometimes we have a moral responsibility not to vote. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough one, and it's one that each listener has to think through. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking it through. The one thing that might help, we want to analyze the positions of candidates and the platforms of their party and all of those things. But in addition to that, we need to prayerfully ask, how would this particular candidate actually act Mm. in the position as president and see see if that gives any clarity. What would their actual actions be like? Mm-hmm. And uh, and past behaviors tend to be pretty good predictors of future behaviors. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we don't want to be naive at this point. Yeah. Uh, we want to be as grounded as we can uh, in the in the values of the kingdom. Realize that uh, we're dealing with. Uh, the sphere of politics mm-hmm. and politicians, not be naive, and then before God, sorry about clapping, but it was a mosquito. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's be naive. Yeah. And, and, then, and then try to make the best decision as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Good. Thank you, guys. Um, Malcolm brings us a question. What is your vision for Renovare, and how does it fill a space in Christendom that no one else fills? Uh, mm-hmm. I I.e., how does Renovari justify its continued existence? Oh, that's a good question. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, get my engine started. <laughs> Go to it. Uh, Renovari has a very specific mission. Uh, and, and here's what it is. is help the church. Help the church ever more deeply, form and shape through the power of the Spirit in the classical disciplines, with the help of the disciplines, form and shape disciples or apprentices who look and act like Jesus in their particular context and church. That's what we're about. So the ultimate goal is, with that very specific mission, helping image bearers grow ever more deeply into the image of Jesus, who's the great image bearer, like Paul will talk about in Colossians chapter 1. Mm-hmm. So, so I think our, our yeses and, and noes are fairly distinct. So we say to, so for example, we're not uh, Campus Crusade or crew, is that they're not called. Our fundamental mission is not to bring people into the kingdom. Our mission is to help people who are in the kingdom of God learn how to live with God in that kingdom. So uh, that's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. 
That's why I led. That's why you know at Eastern University, where I was for a long time, where that was an educational institution. And so, twenty-three years of my life went into that place. But it was very clear, Chris. There's something different. We want you to be more focused on the the particular mission of helping people and helping churches train people to uh, incarnate in their own lives and actions and perspectives the wonder and glory of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're about. And see, this is not, not something that's generally understood today, how we grow in grace and how the human personality can be formed Remember Paul's words, Mm -hmm. I'm in travail until Christ be formed in you. How we can be conformed, remember Paul's words, those whom God foreknew, them he predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus and transformed. Remember his words in Romans again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, how that happens, see, is uh, just, uh, it's a mystery to most people. They think, I mean, the general teaching is this kind of stuff just falls on our heads. But it doesn't. It doesn't. There is a means, and it involves an interactive relationship with God in which we and God are working together uh, and we're learning how to grow in grace, how to become God's friend, how human habits mm-hmm. can be, uh, we can be set free from destructive habits and how there can be built holy habits. And so there, it's a whole understanding of how these things work and happen that Renovari is giving attention to. There's a there's a wonderful, long, beautiful tradition. I call it the great conversations about the growth of the soul all through Christian history. And right. uh, we've lost that and need to recover it. And Renovari works on that. And, uh, and so all of these things are part of the mission that we have, and, uh, and but in a way, it's very simple how to help people, you know, become a lover of Jesus and their life, their mind, their spirit, their body, their heart, increasingly is conformed to the ways of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I like, Nate? I was on the website the other day. Mm-hmm. And you click on the website, the Renovari website, and in big capital letters, training, not trying. <laughs> training, not trying. Yeah. And my mind was uh, drawn back to uh, a course I used to teach at Eastern on spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. And students, 18, 19, 20 years old, would come in, and um, it was very striking. They were old in ways that they should be young. Mm-hmm. And they were young in ways that they should be more mature mm-hmm. and older. Mm-hmm. And and each one of them, it seemed, had a lot of what I would call a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were discouraged because mm-hmm. they knew, I'm in trouble here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change. 
I've got deeply embedded habit patterns that keep coming up again and again. Mm. I've confessed something 5,000, 10,000 times. Mm. I don't think I'm ever going to change. I'm scared. I need some help. Mm -hmm. And to find out that it's really possible to change through through simply learning how to pray, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. learning how to study, Mm -hmm. uh, learning how to lead a more simple life. Mm-hmm. learning how to confess my sins, mm-hmm. learning how to serve another image bearer, mm-hmm. was deeply, I would say, deeply encouraging to almost all of them to be able to offer something very concrete that they can be- begin to practice. Paul uses these kinds of athletic metaphors all the time. Mm-hmm. Something that they as a Christian athlete can begin to practice where change occurs. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these old desert dwellers back in the early history of the church, these desert monastics, and they would call themselves the athletes of God. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons they would like that athletic metaphor is they knew that change can be very concrete, and it always involves certain choices regarding how we're thinking, uh, how we're speaking, uh, mm-hmm. how we're using our body what we're exposing ourselves to in terms of influences and so on. Um, So that idea of training Mm -hmm. rather than gritting my teeth and trying, I think is is important to latch on to. And and we need to see that right desires, see, um, Mm -hmm. uh, we need, I've been working with a prayer that I might be given And this is a work of God. Be given right desires. And the prayer is very simple. Forgive me all my sins. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. And create in me right desires. So Mm -hmm. that the desires are growing. And so... And we need to encourage people as they start out on this. This is not... uh, a prayer for uh, 10 times. This is 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. And to see a holy habit be- begin to grow over time. We're not, we're not trying. We're not gritting our teeth and trying to make it. We're training. And, and uh, we then can be as amazed as anybody else that the desires of our heart begin to change. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets back to that question someone had about what's Renovari about? Mm-hmm. Well, in some ways, in a nutshell, what we're about is helping people through the power of the Spirit to change their desires. Mm-hmm. Both Peter and Paul, they, they write about this. Uh, Paul writes about it in Ephesians 4, and Peter writes about about it in the first chapter of uh, his second letter. They talk about the corruption that's in the world Mm -hmm. through evil desires. Mm -hmm. You know, in these ancient Christians, these church fathers, they picked up on that idea. You know, Augustine talks about disordered desire. And what disordered desire does is it it destroys image bearers. It destroys image bearers. So, uh, if we can help folks reorient their desires, the habits will change. Mm-hmm. The habits will change. Mm-hmm. And as the habits change, how we think, how we uh, speak, how we use our bodies will change. All empowered by the Spirit of God. 
Richard's looking here in his Bible at something out of out of well, uh, it was Second, the Second Peter because you mentioned it, where he uh, writes that God's divine power has given us everything we need mm-hmm. for life and godliness, and then it goes on to say, I mean, that's that's what God does. That's the action of God. But then it, Peter goes on to add, for this very reason, make every effort. Every effort, the opposite of grace is works, but not effort, see. Make every effort to support your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And and there's this building, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. And love's the last on the list because it takes all these things to work <laughs> for love to come about. And, yeah. So, so what we want to help people uh, help people with is becoming ever more human. Mm. Right. Ever more human. Jesus being the most deeply human person who ever lived. You guys, this is great, and I've got tons more questions, so maybe we could do this another time. Sure. You up for it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.